Naughty no. people, welcome to. <laughs> I forgot those existed. God damn it! <laughs> welcome to another episode of the How Long to Beat podcast. I, uh, I am Rick. Uh, <laughs> the the disgusted Canadian is Alex. Hello. <laughs> and the amused Chilean is Paula. Hello. And we have got a lean, mean podcast for you today, by which I mean we have one completion, and that is mine. Uh, so we'll be skipping the retired. So we're going to be going straight to what we're playing. Uh, and then we're going to be talking about, like, old gaming. Like, things that new gamers just don't understand. The troubles they didn't have to struggle through. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing most people don't have to struggle through, the latest edition of How, How Long, long to, be? Be? to Be the, the game. game. And without further ado, let's jump straight in. Um, probably going to put that soundbar away. No promises for the rest of the episode. <laughs> I have completed one game. And it's like a DLC campaign for Muramasa Rebirth. So I went back and played Fishy Tales of the Nekamata. Um, I think I goofed when I played these through or re-remembered them because Nekamata seems to be the first of the DLC campaigns based on how they're laid out on the home screen. Um, it's a cool one, both thematically. So it um, involves a character who is central to one of the main characters' plots in the main game. Um and also mechanically. So the way that this game differentiates, um, you are a Nekamata who has um, taken on human form. So you have a human fighting stance and a cat fighting stance in place of two of your three weapon slots. The third weapon slot is like a super attack. So you can briefly take the form once you've absorbed enough spirits of a uh, big angry god cat thing. Um that can do like big area of effect moves is invulnerable um a little bit more unwieldy to control but much more powerful with it um it's a much more agile fighting style whichever character you're playing with um the dodge is really fluid the attacks are swift and devastating um it's a real nice combat move set and where a course to die con for had to pull some of that back because of what they were trying to convey from a story perspective uh, Nekamata can lean full tilt into that sort of power fantasy and giving you just a, a a new way to experience what is a phenomenal combat system in the game proper. Um, the boss battles in this were also fantastic, and that's one of the big things that the DLC campaigns have going for them um, are the unique boss battles, as well as all the ones from the main campaign that you can go back and play should you choose. Um, two of the boss battles in Nekamata are a Tanuki, who makes full use of uh, of their specialist skill set um, and a sort of sellsword who has given up his soul to a, a, a powerful demon blade and has a lot of cool movesets. Felt really, really challenging. Makes you, despite your speed, be a little bit more cautious and, and deliberate with what you're doing. Um, just a really cool, tight three-hour campaign um i i always feel like i'm just gushing in exactly the same way over the same points every time i talk about muramasa but it 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 can't be overstated just how fantastic this game is and what a poster child it is for having a vita even in this 2023 because those those dlc campaigns are exclusive as it stands at the time of recording to the vita um and they are phenomenal gameplay some of the best stuff out there full stop um so a wonderful time had with that and it was a nice short one to sort of bosh out while i've been traveling i was mentioning to the guys 
before we jumped on, I've been uh, I've been away visiting my parents most of this week. Uh, so away from all the home consoles, uh, I figured one of the little DLC campaigns would be a fun little completion to have ready for the pod. Uh, and it's a good job, really, isn't it? Because, wow. I mean, you've, you've both basically just been steamrolling one game. Shall we... Uh, should we start with you, Paolo? Should we go back to Tears of the Kingdom? Yeah, also, I have a bit of a breaking news. So, uh, you know that I have an my friend uh, with which with whom we always like import Otome games and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So her sister just qualified to, for the uh, Pokemon Go World Championship in Japan. Hmm. Cool. And, like... She was calling me just now and she just told me and he's like, holy crap, we're going to uh, ask him to buy so much shit uh, for us. Like, sorry, his suitcase is going to come back with a lot of auto- goodies. <laughs> I love that. Well done. So proud of you. When can you stop by a gaming shop? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like, Thomas, we are proud of him. Like, holy crap. Like, you don't know, like, did you know there's, like, coaching for um, Pokemon Go players? I didn't like, know, but I'm also me. not surprised. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm there. He also was, uh, he is also a coach. Like, he's very good at the game, so he's a coach. And... This segment sponsored by... Sorry. <laughs> uh, but um he managed to like there was a pokemon thing like right now um santiago and uh he got to the final round like he's either like first place or second place but he's going to japan anyway well clearly i mean That's he's awesome. got props as a coach then <laughs> mm. he got prop, yeah and he's a very good player so props to him like i i don't think he's listening to us but Way to go! Oh, well, then fuck him. No, don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. And uh, let's go back to our regular schedule over here. And uh, I've been playing one game and one game only, partially because of time, but partially because this game has taken over my life. And that is The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So right now, I have no idea how many shrines I've gone through, but I've been um, scouting the land far and wide uh, for both shrines and cork seats. So because I want uh, more inventory slots for uh, carrying more weapons and shields and bow and arrows and stuff like that. So. Um, I, I've gone back to some of the earlier uh, parts of the map and went through hell and back in, in search of uh, those those little buggers. But anyway, um, I've also, I haven't gone to like the second, uh, to other like those of um, big regional phenomena that are like the story main points. And is that an helicopter? Holy crap. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. Riveting content, only here on the How Long To Be podcast. Anyway, so... It is, is it gone? Is it no, not gone? it's still there, but don't worry about it. Go away, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, that's 
mostly of what I've been doing. I'm also doing a lot of side quests. And, um, they're not called like side quests, like short story stuff. And there is a lot of stuff to do in this game. Like, let me tell you, like, and the way it, like, it, the way it works on my mind, it's kind of like in Breath of the Wild because um, I will just start doing a quest and then go get distracted by other quests and then end up like battling some big enemy and then, all right, I have to go back to the first quest and then I just fall into that, uh, uh, what's the name of this? Like I fall into the underground and it's like, hey, maybe we should just uh, do stuff in the underground. So I've been like all over the Hyrule doing stuff and having a lot of fun. I also got the, um, is it auto build? Yeah, mm -hmm. auto build thingy that we were talking about uh, last week. Like I haven't used it yet because you have to build the thing you, uh, for the kind of like recipe get safe. And I haven't done like a lot of things with like easily available materials. And I'm just looking for those gacha machines to get more of the Sonai uh, technology stuff. Which, by the way, I got lasers. I got, I think I got all kinds of the emitters that those are like the drone heads that either spew ice, fire, or lightning, or lasers, because why not? And I've also gotten like the wheels, the big wheels, the uh, air balloons, the hot air balloons. And one of the like most, is it the most, it is like one of the most useful things, but at the, at the same time, it's like, come on. It is kind of like uh, um, some kind of scam because they're like, um, the furnaces are like um, portable pots that only last for the wow. one meal preparation. And it's like, hey, come on, camping stoves last a lot longer than that. So why can't Sonai equipment do the same? But anyway, and my personal favorite besides the rockets are the springs because you can just pile up multiple springs and get like, I'm trying not to word it in a way that it makes me sound like a drug addict, but it's like you get super high with those springs. Like you just uh, pound on them and like jump, I don't know how many meters because like you could just go up cliff cliffs like real fast with those and they're like probably my favorite uh sonai equipment right now plus they're very useful to battle gliox especially like in their second phase where they fly up really high and you can't really reach them so between those and the uh arrows like with uh either the um eyes or wings attached because you could make them a homing out or, or like a very far um, flying arrow, I guess. Uh, with those items, uh, those are like the best. The, those are the best to just um, make Leox drop like, by, well, drop like flies. Um, the other thing, there was a change that I didn't notice. Um, I, I actually was watching like one of those uh, Celtic 
tips and tricks videos for Tears of the Kingdom. And you don't use a stamina when you're aiming with the bow and arrow. You just use up like a set amount of stamina and once you fire it. So you have like in technicality infinite time to aim. I say in technicality because if you hit the floor, then you're you you don't get to fire that arrow, but and if you're like free falling, you have like infinite time to just fire the arrow, like improperly fire the arrow. So that is kind of nice though. I was so used to like just aiming fast and try to as many arrows as possible that that kind of undermine a little bit the way I used to play Breath of the Wild. So I have to be like a little bit more strategic with my arrows and Tears of the Kingdom, though I have, they give you the time or the wiggle room to be more strategic with them. So that is a nice touch. And finally, um, I've been doing, I like how they include more side quests that kind of like transform the world around you. Because I've been doing a quest in the Great Plateau. I found a, a, a weird statue, like I had to drain like a lake to get to it. And it just sent me into a fun side quest and I'm like, okay. And nobody, and nobody went mad. That's amazing. So I've been like just running all across Hyrule, doing fun stuff. And that is what I've been up to this week. Um, Alex, what have you been playing? I have been yakuzuing, yakuzuing it up? Yakuzuing it up? That's it. Yakuzuing, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I It I've, doesn't uh, really... doesn't really work, but I'm going to make it work. <laughs> um, no, I've just been playing Yakuza 3. So like... Yeah, I straight up, like, for a slight context, I mean, everybody knows now uh, about the wind down, at least. But uh, I've been teaching high school, and this week was, like, the grade 12's grad week, um, and I teach two grade 12 classes. So this was a bit of a kind of a crazy week for me. I, I was just, like, so freaking busy that I, I didn't even get a lot of my, like, um, classic uh, bus time, essentially, to, like, play games. Um, but the little time that I did get, um, I played with... Uh, I, I was playing Yakuza 3 Remastered. I'm like about halfway through the game now. I think I've been I've been kind of barreling through it pretty quickly. Uh, I'm doing the sort of classic thing that I've done with the the other sort of earlier Yakuza games uh, where I don't really engage in any like, any side quest stuff. You know what I mean? And like often the side quest stuff is some of the best stuff in these games. Like they're very funny and very silly. But they're very optional. You know what I mean? Like the game does a lot to sort of get you um, considering playing that stuff. But I was just like, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> uh, because a lot of it too is like in this one for like, it's not, this isn't really spoilers because it's like directly what the game is about. And I won't detail anything past like the opening second, but like Kiryu basically is running an orphanage. Um, at this point so like there are things that have happened to have led him to running this in okinawa um the games usually take place in tokyo and kamurocho to be specific right um but you start out in okinawa and so a lot of the opening of the game is actually you like helping the kids that you take care of so like you know helping them with like some of them are dealing with like discrimination and whatnot because they're because they're orphans and for like many other reasons as well and like 
Others are just trying to, you know, they've got crushes and like things like this. And so you just like, or they're being bullied or something. And so like, you're doing all this little stuff, which I think actually like, I've seen some people complain about this opening section, um, which I fully can understand because it is very, very obviously different from the Yakuza games that they've sort of known, uh, probably known and loved. But it does a really interesting thing narratively where it really like at first, because I was thinking like, am I actually going to give a shit about any of these kids? But like they do a really good job actually of making you care for each one of the kids because they very strategically put just enough little quests for each one of the kids so that by the time that you obviously because like obviously they're not going to keep you at okinawa the whole time like you go back to kamarocho and you get involved in you know a big yakuza thing right like that's kind of how it goes because essentially there's like this group who's trying to steal the deed to your land to build and this is where the politics stuff come in that actually that was kind of interesting because basically this land in okinawa um, because obviously okinawa is like you know it's gorgeous, right? It's like the tropical island paradise of Japan, right? Um, and so there are these two politicians. One wants to build a military base in Okinawa, um, while another wants to build a resort in that area. And so it's really interesting because essentially your orphanage is like on the location of that, uh, of where that development's meant to meant to go. And so like the local Okinawans don't want either of these things, right? but you're stuck trying to figure out a way to keep your kids safe. Um, and like, so you're, you return back to Camarocho. And so the whole kind of goal is like protect your orphanage. Um, and then obviously you get into very silly shenanigans um, a, a la, you know, classic Yakuza games. So like, it's really interesting. Like, I don't know. It's such a different, I also think it's the last Yakuza game where Kiryu is the sole protagonist. I'm pretty sure. Because I think Yakuza 4, Yakuza 5 for sure. And then I think maybe Yakuza 6, he goes back to being the sole protagonist. But like um, Yakuza 4 and 5, I believe, split up the um, the game into new protagonists. So they sort of branch out a little more. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm really digging it. Like, I find the story is cute. Um, graphically, it's holding up better than I actually thought it was going to. Um, it, it, it's It's visually, like, actually not bad um it is a bit silly and like if you play yakuza zero and then you go to this you're going to be a little like oh okay it was a bit of a downgrade (laughs) but Hmm. uh but not like terribly so and i I will admit i'm playing it on easy just because i know that yakuza sometimes yakuza games in general i don't actually think they're not that hard but they have crazy difficulty spikes like they're games where it's like everything is like easy peasy you're getting through fights and then you'll hit a boss that is just like absolutely insane and it will just decimate you. And I'm like, no thanks. I'm just here for the story. So I've just kind of uh, turned that down to easy. And I'm just kind of blasting my way through it. And honestly, having a good time. So uh, highly recommend. And for any Yakuza fans, especially... And it works awesome on Steam Deck. I have to say, it feels... Uh, you know, I'm getting that feeling like when I had the Switch for the first time. Where it's like, it's so like, oh my god, how am I playing this right now? Like, you know, like that feeling of just like, I have this portable full console game. Um, but also that looks fantastic on this. Um, and I, I actually think playing it on the steam deck might be doing the game more favors, um, than playing it like on the big screen might right now, because I think just the lowered resolution of the steam deck itself, I think helps this game pop a bit because obviously it's an older game. Um, and so I think just like the slightly smaller, uh, scale actually makes everything look 
much, much cleaner. I think if you blew it up a little more, you'd start to notice the kind of the rough, really just like um, rough uh, tile sets and stuff, right? Um, but anyway, that's kind of all I have to say on that. I think I actually stretched out more than I thought I could on this one. Um, because like I said, it's Yakuza, you know what I mean? There's not like a lot to say besides um, the narrative itself, which I can't really break down as much because I mean, neither of you played them, but um, just know that it's uh, bonkers as usual. Um, but Kiryu wears a Hawaiian shirt for most of this. And I really dig that. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's it. Rick, what about you? You've been playing a, a couple things, huh? Oh, you're muted, buddy. I said I'm never not. This is this is sort of my shtick. Um, I have been playing entirely handheld stuff, it's worth saying. So FF7 Remake, uh, Jij, and Forgive Me Father, all still on the docket. Haven't touched any of them this week because I had a busy few days, like ridiculously busy, and then I was home for a few days. Um, I have been hitting the handheld stuff, both some new stuff and some returning stuff. Returning first, um, I've played some more of Radiant Historia. It's just like peeling back an onion, man. There's so many layers to this um, from a story perspective, which I love. Um, this, the feeling that there's more to come from a mechanic standpoint, which is A-OK. Um, it's still hitting a good pace, a good tempo for me. I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, I pulled the plug on a, a, a completely clear reshelled DS Lite as well, so I'm uh, enjoying playing it on that um while i while i wait desperately for my play date to come hopefully before episode 125 so help me god if we finish the pod before i get the play date i will scream um the other returning game uh is paranormal site on switch not much more to say about it uh still strong early impressions um i don't feel like i've i've got far enough and, and dug any deeper to sort of elaborate on what we talked about with that last week uh which takes us to two new games uh, the first one, also on Switch, um, is The Final Station. Um, this speaks to just the quality of the Switch and, and its weird ability to make you rebuy games that you already own. I have had The Final Station on PC for like four or five years, and it's just been sat in my Steam library. And poking around on the eShop, looking through the sales and what's going on, and it was like £3 with the DLC. Oh, shit, I'm going to buy it again now, aren't I? And so I did, but I've actually started playing it, which is an improvement. This is a 2D side-scrolling survival shootery thing. Have either of you played this? I feel like at least one of you's talked about it before. No. No, I'm getting blank faces. That's fine. That's just me then. Um, it is a zombie outbreaky style thing. Imagine The Walking Dead meets Snowpiercer. And if you know what both of those properties are, you're kind of there. Like you're driving a train between places in what at this early stage seems a linear fashion. Gathering resources, trying to work out what's gone on, um, shooting some zombies, gathering some resources, keeping the passengers on your train happy and well-fed and healthy. Doesn't seem super deep, but I feel like it works to its strength. It keeps it streamlined. Early impression, that could change. Uh, it controls quite well. There are a couple of instances where you can tell it was PC first, uh, but I don't feel like I'm missing mouse controls. Um, I am missing a jump button a little bit. You don't have any vertical movement beyond ladders and, and shimmying up and down pipes and things. Uh, it, it feels like the kind of game where you should have a jump, 
that might just be me. I don't know. But really cool early impressions. I like the vibe. Um, it does an, an appropriate amount of world building. It doesn't leave you with nothing to latch onto, but it also doesn't beat you over the head with its lore, uh, particularly in these early stages. So I'm, I feel the right amount of invested. The last game I'm playing, and this one's a bit of a fucking wild one, uh, it is Klonoa Moonlight Museum for the Wonder Swan. Now, anyone who's, who's listening and isn't aware of the Wonder Swan, uh, I don't blame you because it was a Japan-only handheld uh, that was very short-lived. It was the last thing made by Gunpei Yokoi, uh, the creator of the Game Boy, uh, before his um, untimely passing. And it essentially has two D-pads on the left-hand side and then two action buttons on the right-hand side. The idea was that you could play it both horizontally, the way a conventional um, handheld system would, but you could also turn it vertically and play shooters and things like that with four buttons under each thumb. Now, Klonoa uses that, and the problem I'm having is I'm playing it via an emulator on my PSP. So the horizontal levels, absolutely fine. Plays like the, the GBA Klonoa games, albeit in black and white. Um, absolutely works a-okay for that does what those gba games are doing i feel like it probably pioneered what those gba games went on to do without knowing too much about the history and, and where things fall chronologically the problem comes when it, it it says please rotate your device and you have vertical levels so what's happening is i'm flicking the the analog nub of the playstation portable as my jump and action buttons and the way Klonoa works, your double jumps happen by shooting a wind bullet at an enemy to inflate them and grab them, and then jumping and then throwing the enemy down below you to give you a second jump. Now that on the controller looks like either flicking the stick left or right, depending on where the enemy is, then flicking the stick up to jump, then flicking the stick down to throw the, uh, the, the creature. It, it's a real clusterfuck. It's a real juggle. But it kind of works. And, and the game is simple enough and compelling enough that I haven't really minded trying to wrap my brain around making that happen. Also, you know, it's not the, it's not the devs' fault, right? Like, they, when they developed for the Bandai Wonderswan last century, there's no way they could have expected that I'd be playing this on a Sony handheld with completely different buttons 20 years from now. Um, so, it's fine. That's a me problem. The, the underlying game, quite good. And... Having already exhausted what the two GBA games have to offer, it's a nice last hurrah for sort of proper 2D Klonoa, which I appreciate is ironic because proper Klonoa is 2.5D, but I kind of think the 2.5D ones are a bit shit. The, the GBA 2D stuff's where it's at. So it's nice to, to have one last little bit of that to latch onto and, and play through. Um, and it, it's also nice in that it's a quick four-minute pick-up, put-down. Those levels are short. Uh, one thing I will say for anyone who wants to give it a try, um, there are other Wonderswan emulators out there. PC ones will probably run a bit nicer if you don't mind being sat um, or you know mucking around with the Steam Deck or your, your handheld PC of choice to get it to work. Uh, one thing I would flag for anyone who does want to play it on PSP, um, if you're playing at the base clock, which is 222 megahertz, uh, you will find that things run pretty slow. Uh, there will be stutters, there will be lag. Uh, on the specific emulator I'm using, which I believe is called Omaze, O-M-A-Z-E, you can up the clock speed. Um, I found that 300 megahertz is the sweet spot, and 
you have quite a smooth playing experience. Uh, that real niche PSA aside, I think that's everything on what I am playing, um, which takes us possibly in the shortest amount of time ever in the history of this podcast onto our topic for the week. Um, and this Paolo, do you want to... It really is. Do you want to introduce that topic, Paola, as, as your baby and brainchild? Okay, so uh, this happened like a couple, almost a month ago, I think, because it was like right the day of Tears of the Kingdom release. Um, my nephew was playing FIFA on mobile and he was saying, oh no, these graphics look like early 2000s. I'm like, hey, Come here. Do you know how early 2000 graphics in games really work, really look like? And I have to show him like a couple of games and, I was, and he was like flabbergasted because he, he, it, they look nothing like any game he, he has been played mm. or he has played like in, the, in his very short life. So the topic, this got me thinking. There are a lot of things uh, we and also newer and younger gamers take for granted, like things like they would never expect for it to be a thing uh, in the early 2000s and late and 90s. And that's why I brought this topic here. So um, what things do you think we take for granted today when it comes to gaming? Well, I want to jump on the big one, game saves. Yeah. And that, there's layers to that, right? Because the first games, you wrote a password down somewhere and that's where you picked back up. And then games started to have battery saves for as long as the battery survived. And then you got to save it not on a memory card that they charge you through the, the nose for. And then you got cloud saves where if something happens to your console, the save comes back. There's so many layers to saves that like, I know for myself, I get frustrated when a Steam Cloud save or PS Plus doesn't quite behave in the way I expect it to. But like I played on the Game Boy Advance. I remember password saves. But the, the familiarity with that, you do just forget how awful it was to save a game and go back. I mean, I, I know people who um, remember a time where you'd leave the, the Super Nintendo switched on um, to make sure that you could pick up where you left off. And it's kind of mental. Um, doubly so because it, in terms of corruption of saves and things like that, uh, I've lost more than one PS2 memory card and it sucks. Um, and, and, you know, cloud saving in particular, anything happens to any aspect of the hardware, you've got a fallback option. And that is, that is something that's new in the last, what, 10, 15 years, certainly popularized yeah. in the PS4. So maybe the last 10 years. Yeah, and also, like you said, you, losing your save file was a lot more common, like yeah. in the earlier years, mainly because a lot of uh, cartridge-based systems save with a battery. So once that battery ran out, it, it was game over, man. <laughs> mm. yeah. And there, are, I mean, even for that now, there's third-party solutions where you can plug it in and it will flash your save onto it, and you can back it up and move things around that way. Unfortunately, um, they never they, really ran out in like the lifetime of a child. You know what I mean? Like my batteries yeah. died only when I was like a much older adult who didn't even give a shit at that anymore. But yeah. <laughs> Emotionally mature enough to handle it. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, too bad. I yeah. guess I'll just sell them. <laughs> um, yeah. But something too, actually, 
I have two things. So like, I, I totally with you on the saves uh, deal there because like, that is something that's just like, oh my God. And like, also like not only with the saves, but then just overwriting your save. Right. Like, I think mm. that's a one that a lot of kids don't actually really have to deal with all that much. I mean, I'm sure some people maybe have had somebody like their like sibling, if they have a console, maybe like accidentally saves over, but like, it's just, Games make so many saves at this point that like you have to be pretty deliberate to like actually get rid of everybody's saves. You know what I mean? Like it's hard mm. to just like accidentally do it. It's not like the days of just like, you know, I, I suppose it could maybe still happen with Pokemon since they still do that. But like, that's the big one I think of where like people, you know, a younger sibling picks up the, you know, the older siblings Pokemon game and suddenly the save's gone and you're like, ah! <laughs> mm. yeah. Um, and also in the newer games, you have to, uh, input like uh, a specific sequence of buttons to get rid of the older save before you can save. But in in the G- Game Boy days, they it, it was just gone. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, something that's interesting to like speaking of Game Boy, actually, um, I would say that most younger gamers these days uh, have no idea what it means to not actually be able to see your game. Um, but, like straight up, like I, mm-hmm. oh my God, I have so many memories of like sitting in a car and like, uh, we'd be driving home and like, we'd have like the street lights. And so you're just like waiting for the light to come so you could see what you're doing. Um, because like you just straight up could not see anything on the actual, um, screen. It's like the old, you know, like, I feel like for a lot of kids, the idea of like the flashlight under the covers to play video games makes no sense. Right. Like, why would you yeah. need to do that? Um, you, you can just put the covers over your head and the game will play. It's like, no, I can't see the goddamn screen because nothing is backlit. Um, you know what I mean? Like the backlit world is like, um, is just ubiquitous now, right? Like everything is backlit. Everything you can see, all phones have lighting and, and most uh, people now, the, the issue is like on the other foot, right? Instead of it being can't see the game, it's too bright now. So you got to reduce things. It's just like mm. the complete opposite. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I was thinking of like that, but then there was also, um, oh no, what was the other thing that I was thinking? Um, While it's coming back to you, I just yeah, want to gone. touch on the Frankenstein. Yeah. I want to touch on the Frankenstein solutions around those backlight things. Like I have mm. dark, dark memories of like this big oh, gray that. triangle motherfucker with a, <laughs> a magnifier and a light that flipped up from my Game Boy Advance so that the screen was bigger and actually lit up. And it didn't really work properly, but it worked well enough that you'd put up with its foibles. Yeah, I never had one of those, but I know exactly what you're talking about. It was yeah. game changer. They like yeah. straight up, it was a game changer. Yeah, because it comes back have, to your other think, thing. Oh, go on. I have a rechargeable batteries on, on like uh, portable consoles because those were not thing before the Game Boy Advance. Mm. Oh, SP batteries. Days. That's actually, that's a good point. Batteries. God damn. Needing to make sure you have batteries on hand. Um, Although, hot take, I think that was a backward step because it's much harder to replace an inbuilt battery than it is to swap out rechargeable batteries if you're going to go that route. Oh, man. The, the, like the Game Boy Advance, uh, one, it's so easy to swap out. I've swapped those out. Yeah, but then, you know, you get to a 3DS or you get to a, a PS Vita. Yeah, like, those ones, but they also last so much longer. I, I haven't heard of anyone. Easy to swap to. Yeah. It depends on the model, right? In the 3DS, 
XL and the new 3DS, it's just... It's one backplate. Yeah, yeah, sure. But the original 3DS is a bit more of a faff to get to. Like, I totally accept it depends on model and and what have you and everything else. But still, like, it down the line, it's going to be much easier to replace rechargeable batteries that are external than it is, like, a proprietary battery shape. Total sidebar. Not not the purpose of this discussion. (laughs) But I remember my point uh, now. I actually think something that I think a lot of kids don't actually have to deal with is that, like, they actually know and have information about games that they're looking at getting. Like, mm. do, do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I, I feel like, I feel like a lot of people take, like a lot of like young folk, and I, I totally understand why, take for granted that they actually can like look up and have like people that they, you know, respect and follow talking about games and yeah, they actually know, yeah. right? And they know what the games are like when they get things. Like, they're not going to like, I can't tell you how many games I bought when I was a kid. I had no freaking clue what the games were about. And the only way I could ever figure out what the games were about was through, you know, literal propaganda from Nintendo. Magazines. Like, <laughs> right? And because like and magazines Nintendo, too. Well, that's what I mean. Oh, that's yeah. what I'm talking about was the magazines. Because like Nintendo Power is just Nintendo's, you know, sale magazine right like they, sure. they yeah. want you to buy the thing yeah sometimes they were like but no they were i mean let's be real the reviews were pretty like pretty glowing for most games <laughs> i don't ever really remember reading like totally trash reviews in there um and it's just like one of those uh things where it's like man like you would go to a and i guess there is sort of some fun in the sense that like you can discover some things that like you know i have some games that i love that um are arguably kind of trash and like is it nice that i have those memories of those games sure but like i wouldn't mind if my memories were of better games <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah like, right like it's like i don't think i would have lost anything if power quest wasn't my uh one of my memories that game is if anybody's ever played power quest that game is a fucking nightmare uh it makes no sense <laughs> at all it was like this robot battler game like like japanese little robot oh it makes no sense it's like, even to this day, I watched somebody because I wanted to like get some vindication for how difficult it was. And like, I watched this dude like returning to it and he was like, holy shit, this is insanely hard. And I was like, yes, I'm not, I'm not bad. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, it was like some RPG fighter for the Game Boy Color. Yes, fuck? it was like a 2D fighter, but you also like, you like, I don't know, you basically like, what did you do? So think of it like there were these toys, right? Like, little action figure toys that you're like collecting essentially you collect parts for them and you go around battling these like other young teens it had like the same art style as the pokemon trading card game like that sort of pixel and like it was actually quite it was is is kind of pretty but like the fighting mechanics were so bad and the ai was so unbelievably difficult like just literally faster than your inputs could ever be because you're on a fucking Game Boy, right? (laughs) It looks sick, though. It looks like a little 2D custom Robo Arena. Oh, again, it totally looks sick. And I I dare anyone to try and play it because it looked great, sounded cool, was a nightmare. Like, just full-on, so, so challenging. It felt so sluggish. Um... And also, mm. as a kid, it was sort of open-ended, so it was really sort of hard to understand. I love the damn thing. I mean, it's one of my, like, biggest nostalgia games out there. Um, but that was a game that I just picked up because, first off, the box art, if you can look that up, the North American box art was pretty sick. It's sick. 
Yeah, it's fucking sick. Like, it's you like imagine Gundam shit. Yeah, right. Exactly. You can imagine a little kid my age looking up at a you know this wall of games, and I'm looking at that thing like, fuck yeah, that looks dope. <laughs> and then I, I proceed to get my ass kicked by it for uh you know half a decade. Um, yeah. well, really for eternity. And this is coming from by the way, this comes from somebody who beat Ghost and Goblins twice as a child. Okay, on the Game Boy. I was pretty good as a kid. <laughs> and this game, I could not for the life of me get around this game. It just fucking kicked my ass so hard. But anyway, that's uh, some of the things kids don't have to deal with. You know, they're fortunate. They can watch Twitch streamers or YouTubers or whatever, and they can read uh, news sites. And like, you know, they can go on Open Critic or Metacritic. They can just see what games are like before they get into it. Multiple reviews, not just like the one from the magazine they happen to pick up. And also, I suppose, jumping off of that, having access to, like, game facts and guides. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, before well, you, know. you either had to either run into a, a magazine that had, like, a guide or something for the game you, you were playing, or know someone who was playing the game, too, and knew all the secrets. Like, yeah, sorry. Like, sorry, gay. Like, we didn't have those things back. Like, we didn't have like game facts and YouTube guides and stuff like that. Like back in the day. Also, and also on the flip side of that, because that is changing. Like the the text guides, which I find infinitely more useful, generally are dying a death to like video walkthroughs and tutorials where you've got some guide like talking over the whole thing yeah. or telling you to like hit yeah. subscribe for five minutes before they show you the specific bit you need to see. Sorry, I think I cut you off, Alex. I think you were going to say something there. Oh no, mine was going to change the subject, so that was that. That was totally fine. Oh, that works well. Okay. Um, okay. I was just going to say. Uh, also, they can just play their games online. Like, you could just you could just play with your friends online. Like, that's just a thing you mm. could do, right? Like, the the idea of that. Like, I realized like how like you know I was fortunate enough that like I'm of the era where like I think online gaming just sort of became a thing when I got into high school. Like, where it was like stable, you know, and like it functioned mm-hmm. and you could do stuff. So like I was playing games with my, uh, you know, my, my high school buds, we played uh, Halo three and grand theft auto four. Those were the two big things that we would play right every day after school, we'd go back and we would basically play those two games just like constantly in like grade, like 10, 11, basically. Um, uh, and it's like, it was still a novelty to me, honestly, at that time, because like really um, this online functionality hadn't been around for very long like it just wasn't a thing that had been especially where i was from right like there are you know some parts of the world that had online like you know a little bit you know longer than that right because you had the original xbox and whatnot but like the idea of having like actually a stable enough internet connection to be able to do online gaming um that was still something that like i remember becoming a thing right like i i I was alive Mm. for that to occur and now that kids can just like on their phones and everything like they, they just also the fact that they just have portable consoles with them at all times fuck man <laughs> right like and it's cool everyone is like no one's like yeah. shitting on you for having your game boy you know what i mean um mm. it's like it's a cool thing to have um it's just kind of like it still just sort of blows my mind that it's like yeah so many of these uh, kids now can just like have uh video game consoles in their pockets basically um with them at all times and get to try the games on that system for free yeah free to play gaming yeah. like for all its ills is very very novel and it's, mm-hmm. it's not normal in the history of the, the medium no to be able to to 
just try a game out without spending a penny. Right? And like th- yeah, yeah, some in some situations you you can try like the actual game and have your save file like carry on if you buy the full game. Mm. I think it was yeah. uh, that is the case for many of the Squinix um games like I which one like the Octopath Traveler, I think had that feature, wasn't one it? One and two, both bravely defaults. Quite a few of their games they do that. Um NIS, I think, have started doing that with a couple as well. Um, I mean, the, the irony is it often hurts sales more than it helps, but I think it's a really good pro-consumer move. Yeah. Um, I also think it builds up really goodwill, you know? like. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. I've for definitely... Sure. I, I know I have played a demo before where I thought that was actually quite fun and made a purchase because I was like, you know what? I appreciate this. Um, instead of, like, waiting for a long time for, like, a big sale or something, I was just like, you know what? I appreciate that and just gave it a download, right? Like, I just think it's... Yeah, like you said, it's just a very... Uh, it's very pro-consumer. It lets you actually make your choice before you shell out all that fucking money. Plus, like you said, mm. it's, it's amazing. Like, um, kids have such a variety of games that they can play because of that whole free-to-play um, sort of world, right? Where it's like, I remember having such a limited amount of games that I could, frankly, own, right? Like, it's just... You don't... You know, I wasn't made out of money, right? We didn't, we couldn't buy that many games. I know there's some mm. people, you know, that, you know, some grew up more fortunate or maybe, you know, maybe their parents had like a collection themselves, right? Um, but it's like, you know, I was the only one who was actually interested in video games. So like the idea of like having free to play games, um, which I suppose we sort of had, but ours were flash games, right? Like that was, that was more what it was, you know, the quality of said games was arguably a little it's not a fair comparison it's not fair. yeah right <laughs> and I, I think on top of that like accessibility is a big part of it right like you don't have supply shortages you don't have to pre-order a game like yeah if you really want to play it there is licensing aside always going to be a digital copy available yeah Mhm. and also like if you like like a specific kind of game you no longer have to wait months or years for another game like it to appear. Like there are like so many uh, if double uh, A, triple A, and indie developers doing like um, farm simulator games or like uh, um, tactical uh, RPGs or like turn-based RPGs that you're supposed for choice. Like if you if all you want to play in your life are Atomic games, like there 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 was a time before where you weren't able to play only atomic games and play like every day like now you're spoiled for days for example especially with, with like translations being much more prevalent as well like yeah, yeah. you don't have to wait for japanese games <laughs> they just they're here <laughs> and that's it's also not thing. an if like it wasn't always even a when it was often an if but that's so rarely the case nowadays yeah, like the yeah, only stuff that doesn't come is like such niche shit um, that like if it's if it has a big enough fan base anyway, someone will fan translate it, right? Like it's like yeah, um, and and those by the way, those fan translations are also so much easier to get, right? Like imagine back in the day before really the advent of the internet, and like even when the internet was young, a fan translation wasn't as simple as download it and go, right? Like you know, like a lot of those cases. I can't even remember. Like there was some. Uh, I remember reading some things. Like there's some really archaic ways of getting it to work. Um, 
and oftentimes you just had to actually like read a document while you played. You know what I mean? Like mm. if you wanted yeah. to do that, like to me, it was just completely like, it wasn't even an option, right? Like I could not, if there was any game and I wouldn't even know about them, right? Like you, you don't even get to know what games were out there that you were missing. Um, unless you were sort of dialed in at this point now, it's like, well, whatever, you're more spoiled for choice than you're like dying to play some random game from another country at this point. Right. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, um, the other thing, and this is more like, uh, well, a South America thing in this case, but not all games come here to to South America, mainly because they have to, the games are more expensive, so they have to really check that supply and demand thing before even attempting to uh, try to bring more niche games. But you can either um, buy digital, and also at least in Chile, like importing a game is so much e much more easier than it was like ten years ago, because uh, a couple of years ago, like maybe three, with the pandemic, Amazon launched like um, uh, if you buy more than forty nine dollars on select products and games are usually included, you get free shipping. And that was a thing, like, there was a time where you either had to use uh, a P.O. box to mm. get games to Chile, or you have to pay a crazy amount of money for uh, for the shipping. Mm. And import fees are, like, to, like if you, you still have to pay shipping fees, but not having to pay for the shipping itself. Sorry, import fees and not having to pay the tipping fees is like a huge step forward. Like, yeah, that's huge. It, yeah. I mean, I get it too. Like, even in, you know, I'm from a small town, but like shipping things to my uh, province was not cheap, right? Like, it was like sometimes mm -hmm. half the price of the game um, to the point where you're like, well, what, what's the point, right? Like, what's the yeah. point? Yeah. Yeah. Things like Amazon or, you know, you'd just be stuck with whatever your local game store had. Um, and you're sort of like, all right, that's what I'm paying. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, going a little, back a little bit to the saves and the save system, most, I think all cartridge-based um, consoles had, like, the save on the cartridge. Yeah. But some games, like the, some consoles, like the PS1 and PS2, had the, the, the save on a little card. And if you didn't have the little cards, uh, save card slot, you couldn't, you weren't able to save. For I, for example, uh, my boyfriend uh, was talking about a game that I don't remember which game it was, but one of the games that he was playing, he couldn't save because he didn't have the the memory card because mm. he didn't, he didn't know it was a thing. Ah, so, when I first got my PSP. I was like, I had the same game for two weeks because I hadn't got a memory card with it. Oh, so I... he, he had to start all over the uh, again the game. So he, he was speed running just for the sake to being able to finish the game. And he couldn't like leave the console like on all night because at some point it will just overheat and turn off. And that's another thing. You can put your consoles on sleep mode now. Yes, I was going to say that one. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's probably not as novel a thing more so in, in, the, in the console space. Handhelds, it, even if you go back as far as the GBA, a lot of games had a sleep function yeah. built into the cartridge. But 
playing with flashcards, having like a universal sleep function is absolutely a game changer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that is that is massive. I mean, the other one, and, and this is a really new thing, like the uh, the latest consoles have quick resume yeah. where you can switch between multiple games, which is fucking wild. Oh, yeah. The, the freaking Series X, the quick resume is insane on that thing, man. Like just popping up like because now it, it's also it's so economical as well, because like you just shut the console off, turn it back on. Bing, you're right into your game. It's like, oh, sick. Yeah. And then I just want to go back to the other one that I was playing. It's like actually made it so I could play multiple games at once without like it doesn't matter because it's just like, well, I just swap between them and like it's no big deal. Just like button press and I'm like, oh, I'm in the game again. Um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 unreal, honestly. We live in good times. <laughs> yeah, and also the controllers now are like uh, very similar between one another in the sense of the button layout. Yeah. And the amount of buttons they have, like back in the day, you have Wearshed, like the Nintendo 64 controller. Yeah, that standardization but, is a real like that 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 shit is real good. Yeah, yeah. take for granted that you can pick up a, a certain genre and have a rough idea of how it's going to control from the word guy. Yeah. Yeah, and also still like on the controller side of things. Do you remember it when mouses when mice had like that ball inside and oh, you yeah. have to clean it up for it to work? Oh yeah. Oh god, it was a nightmare. Oh man, oh it was so bad. I used to have to take a toothpick all the time on that, and like you, know, I can remember myself having to like pull my mouse like back to the left over and over again, like like because like I'd have to like on the mouse pad, like you know what I mean when you, you're trying to get to one side <laughs> of it, it's so gunked up that you can't get all the way to the other side of the screen. You're just like, <sighs> yeah, yeah, that's old tech life. I mean, yeah, just like like also like I, I maybe one of the things too that I think at least young gamers are fortunate not to have to deal with too. It's just, it's wires. Just so many fucking <laughs> wires, right? And like, yeah. they're all crumpled up. They're all messed up. You gotta like sit close to the TV because you'd have to like pull your console out from the TV and then also pull it so that it's there. And then, you know, also having like your freaking um, like sibling or something run by and just like kick your console because they've like mashed on the, the controller cord and they've just like ripped it out of the slot. And then the, if, if your game is good, they ha they know how to deal with the controller being unplugged, but some of them, it would just screw the whole game up and you're like, Fuck. yeah, <laughs> like the, the cables were so short too. So you have to be like a meter and a half yeah, or just a meter from your TV. Right. They weren't very big. It's like, you're just like, Oh my God. Like it's, that's why I don't know. The, you know, this idea of like kids sitting right in front of the TV. And I've seen, you know, that also used to be because the TVs were so small. <laughs> um, also, yeah. Honestly, now when you think about it, like even when I look around, like even some of the smallest TVs are still like pretty decent sized <laughs> um, mm. comparatively. Nah, I, I gotta say like thinking about this, actually, I'm like, yeah, damn, you know, it must be pretty sick being a young folk getting into games at this point. Um, it's just like, it, in a lot of ways it is nice it, it does actually make me think a little bit more about the free-to-play too like um i'm still very sad because like i look around for instance i i have a bit of i think a decent insight into this because i straight up teach a bunch of teenagers you know and uh let me tell you right now i have to take their phones away from them so much because they're glued <laughs> to the fucking things on there totally believe that, it 
is a little bit sad. Um, it's a lot of shit stuff that they're playing. You know what I mean? Like, it's just. They're not getting the good stuff. No, you know, and like, it's not that I can't, like, whatever, you know, but like, it's like a lot of like, you know, like clicker games, and like idle games and like, um, just like, like, also they're addicted to slots, actual oh. literal slots. Like the kids don't play with actual money. Thank God. My guys, they used to though. They admit my, my grade 12s admit to me. He was like, yeah, dude, no, I was straight up used to like, also I'm teaching in a pretty affluent neighborhood from what I've discovered, uh, a bunch of rich kids. I got better cars than I do. It's insane. But uh, yeah, yeah, man. Like that, like ticking numbers thing, and like the like, like they're so used to this. Like, so it's weird because in some ways I'm like, yay, free to play. So many more kids are getting into games and stuff. And then I'm also like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> they're it's, like, yes, yeah, being funded by developing like a generation of addicts. Yes, and like flashing lights and like free to play stuff. Yeah. Like you know, it's like we look at us, right? Like we joke that like gacha games. So like this is one thing where it's like actually something we didn't have to deal with. And I think you know the three of us we've talked about this. Like we can engage with free to play games and not get sucked into their kind of world right like i can do that yeah these kids cannot like they get sucked right into it and they start spending shit man yeah. and i'm like oh god like it's one of those moments where i'm like it's weird right because like i i don't think you know the answer is not go back to making games more exclusive because that's stupid right like we want more people playing games in general but like mm-hmm. yeah we're definitely in an area right now where i'm like hmm I actually do wish younger gamers maybe had slightly more of a like and barrier to entry into certain games, you know, like dear God. Um, I, uh, but I get it. Like the free, to, I don't know. It always goes back to capitalism, right? It's like, what's the solution? Like, cause, cause video game companies, they're not going to regulate themselves. Kidding me. Right. Like they're not going to solve this problem. They're like, Oh, kids are getting addicted to our product. Okay we're fine with that right <laughs> like, you know what I mean? oh no what a shame oh what a shame they're gonna buy stuff from us for like in perpetuity ah oh, damn right? i just imagine the south park thing where they flick the shirts off and they just get for the nips <laughs> exactly well that's funny right like there's that article from this like uh former mobile game developer who like he's stu- he no longer develops games and he, like he's because he's like i realized that like my games were like actually harming kids. Like they're getting them like addicted to this. And I was like, Oh fuck off. You know, like that moment where you're like, you didn't, Oh, you didn't fucking know that. Like, like after you've made your millions, you're like, you know, this is really bad for kids. And I was like, you're going to give back that money. Well, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm fuck you. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. bullshit. I'm like, why don't, why don't you, uh, why don't you like put your mouth where, uh, money where your mouth is and maybe like fund some legislation or something to stop this shit. Anyway, it's just, you know what it is, right? You're like, come on. But yeah, I don't know. Overall, I think, I think kids getting into games these days are better off than not. There's just new issues that arise, right? Where we were just getting tricked into buying a full priced game. That was shite. They're getting slowly drip drip fed into <laughs> for games that are shit Nothing. but addictive yeah right it's just different yeah. <laughs> and on that note oh that i had more about you have more anyways. okay go ahead well yeah what do you got uh for example the um oh my god it's gone oh no it's fuck it's fuck uh having like 
to install multiple uh, CD-ROMs on your computer to play a game. Because nowadays, PCs don't even come with a, a CD or DVD or Blu-ray uh, reader or anything like that. So uh, a lot of kids like don't even know that the, to install games on their computer, they had to use a CD or a DVD. Mm. And another thing that, come on, come back, because I was thinking about it just because just before it went away. <laughs> um, oh my God, it's gone. Well, while you're oh my God, I'm sorry. It, I was going to say, I feel like the fact that, you know, when people say like, oh, consoles will always have disk drives. I'm like, no, they won't, bro. PCs did it. Consoles are next. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's one of those deals where it's like, and like, maybe they'll create, an, you know, some kind of like, you know, external thing that you can plug in because that's what PCs did. They just said, here you go. Here's an external thing to like plug into your uh, your PC if you really want a disc. But like, oh my God, you, you can see the writing on the wall, right? Like there's already discless versions. Yeah. It's just like, you can see them salivating. And like, they might always make some for certain markets. You know what I mean? Like there may be certain markets where they decide it's more worth it just to make one with a disc drive. But Lord knows the minute they can, North America and Europe and like, you know, all, all these like Japan, whatnot, they're just going to be like, so long sucker and cut that shit out as fast mm -hmm. as they humanly can. You know, like, they're just like, I feel like they're just waiting for that day. Um, and then that'll be another thing that gamers won't remember physical media. <laughs> yeah. Another thing, like when you said worldwide releases, there's also like more releases in different languages. Yeah. Like, um, I remember, I remember playing a lot of games in English more than Spanish. Mm. Um, well, partially because of choice, because, um, I remember like watching the Pokemon anime in, in, in English and trying to swap to playing Pokemon in Spanish was a nightmare. Oh yeah. That makes sense. You would have known all the names. Um, in English, huh? yeah. Uh, but uh, there were a lot of times where I have to either have a dictionary or like translate when it uh, came to be um, to understand some words in these games. Also, playing with a dictionary, like kids won't know that anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, it probably made you. That's probably what why your English is so good too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably like it's on the cut. Yeah, because many of the games that I played, either I didn't know the console like had like a base language and the games would swap to that base language. But a lot of the games that were sold in stores, like the Pokemon games, I didn't see a Spanish version like anywhere. You were supposed to play them in English. Mm. And then once they release the worldwide versions then they had like the option to choose the language at the start of the game like in the x and y days and megrovia and alpha cypher i think wait the switch games ask you or they just they ask you take yeah. the language yeah so yeah that's another thing that spanish speaking kids won't know about because the games 
are now making multiple language and Spanish is kind of popular right now. So yeah, I mean, it's a pretty hugely spoken language, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, again, there was a time where only the biggest games got the Spanish translation and now like, yeah. you know, some indie games get that. And well, I, I feel like too, like, I would imagine part of it, like you talked about, was like distribution was really challenging in certain Spanish-speaking countries, yeah. right? Like, you, I mean, we all know the history, not not of a Spanish-speaking country, but like for a Portuguese, for a Portuguese-speaking country, for Brazil, right? Like their history with game distribution is so weird and fascinating, right? It's like, um, I feel like uh, um, that probably had a huge impact. Eh? And now it's like you said, it seems as though distribution is just much. It's it's much easier at this point. Yeah, and there was like another point I wanted to make, but I still can't remember for the life of me. <laughs> well, maybe if the viewers, maybe the viewers will have the same brainwave as you. <laughs> and we'll put it just below the like button in the comments box. Exactly. Um, if you remember, we'll we'll jump back, but should we move on? That's That's probably our fastest, this might be our fastest episode yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, now it's time for How Long to Beat the Game. It's my turn this week. Um, it is. I believe. So let's see what you're going to be uh, playing. Oh, that's so stupid. I literally opened How Long to Beat earlier um, and then just closed it. Like I don't know why I did that. I was just like, why do I have this open? Uh, let's see. Uh, that's, I, don't know. I don't think that. Uh, let's see here. Hmm. Hmm. Something good here. Okay. Actually, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Um. All right. So the one that we have today is Mario versus Donkey Kong Minis March Again. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. This one was one of the DSiWare games. Um, speaking of things younger gamers definitely don't know about. Um, <laughs> now they have now they have DSiWare. Yeah, or the idea of just downloading games is just like, of course you can do that. Why couldn't you do that? <laughs> um, this game, from what I remember, is the one that was like, it's like the the toyetic one, right? Yes, it is. It's like Lemmings, but with little Mario robots. Yeah, these are pretty. It's fun like Lemmings crossed with Heinz Wolf's Gravity, crossed with other things. It's 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 one that I'm wanting to get around to play, but it's so low priority. Like I'll probably not get to it this oh, decade. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> um, look, I got a lot of games like that. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Uh. Here's something fun for this one. Uh, when was this last updated? On how long did it last? I was in like the listing, the listing. Yeah, on the number of the days. Site. When was it last updated? Number of days. Yeah, because it does it by days. I think that's an interesting one. I don't think we've ever done that. Oh, and I guess this should be important. Um, like decimals do matter. 
Like this is one oh, of those yeah. things where they will they they they'll measure it by decimals as well. Okay. Well, I'm, my stuff's in. Nice. Okay, let me add it down then. Uh, where's Alex? Here's Alex. Yeah, my, my heart went into my mouth for a moment because I thought I'd sent that to the wrong podcast host. Ah, this ah. would not have been ideal. Every single time we do this, I have that same feeling where I'm like, did I just yeah. send that to... Oh, no, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> it is the eternal struggle. I can see Paula's mm. little dots happening, so we're getting there. Yeah, I'm trying to write it down. And just so we know, uh, points-wise right now, um, it's pretty freaking close. Uh, Paola and I are tied at 12 points, and Rick is just trailing by one point. He's at 11. So it's 12-12, Paola and I, and then 11 for Rick. Which And I think this is the last match of the game week, so we'll have played an even number of games each. Yes. When the scores land at the end of this round. Or, well, yeah, the last one, because I think I started, right? Um, actually, I have no idea now. I'm just going to say whatever you said is accurate. I mean, ultimately, we're finishing on one, two, five, right? Like, that's the ultimate winner will exactly. be crowned in nine games' time. Exactly. It'll be the ultimate showdown. Mm. The ultimate showdown. For this time, at least, and indeed, at most. Hey, hold on. All right, you put um, your games in there, girl. What's going on? <laughs> you said. Um... The last the, day the was smallest matter. Yeah. This is going to be a stupid question, but mm -hmm. do they uh, measure it by, by weeks or just days. days or months? Just by days. Okay, I'm going to be cheeky then. Okay, sure. Um, okay, what we got here? All right, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Uh, okay, let's take a look now and see who's getting points. So, for mm. main story, Paula has said two hours and 30 minutes. Rick has said five hours. This point is going to go to Paula for it is three uh. hours. Three hours. Yay! Okay. Uh, next, Rick has said for main plus six hours. Uh, Paula has said four hours and 30 minutes. Ooh. -hoo. Oh, you're going to hate this, Rick. It's five hours. <laughs> <laughs> The half Down hour. You half hours. <laughs> yeah. Now, for 100%, Paula said 10 hours and 30 minutes, and Rick has said 10 hours. Don't you dare. Don't you dare tell me it's. Oh, for fuck's sake. Do you want to guess what the time is, Rick? No, I don't. I don't want to know. It's 10 and a half hours. <laughs> oh, I just want the half hours to be a bitch. I, I wasn't expecting it to. Yeah, well, it worked, didn't it? It worked. I'm <laughs> telling you, sometimes it works. <laughs> uh, okay, so the big the big kahuna, though, the final, the, the, the last two points here. This might be, might be a chance for uh, Rick to redeem himself a little bit here. So um, Rick has said that it was last updated yesterday. Um, and Paula has said that it was last updated 69.3 days ago. Um, it was in fact updated 2.5 days ago, Ooh. which means Rick, you will get this one. Yesterday nice. is much closer in that case. So that actually hasn't changed the standings all that much. 
Paula is at 15 points. Um, Rick is now at 13, so just just cloud ahead of me by one point there, and I'm at I'm at 12. Um, oh, still to play for. Yeah, still a lot to play for. That was quite the uh, almost a sweep, but not quite. Um, that bonus, you never know. The bonus can change everything. Uh, well, that's it, folks. Actually, hilariously, this is like almost the same amount of time as like our very early first episodes were like. <laughs> we're convinced we could keep it short every week. Yeah, which oh, we how cannot. Naive we were. Some weeks were pretty good. Like this week, we did pretty good. Um, but other weeks, not at all. I should have more. You only did this week's good is because we did bad, in the sense that no yeah, one played anything. Honestly, yeah. I mean, next week I'm gonna have. <laughs> I have more time this coming week to actually play some stuff. So um, I'm Good. back on my, I'm back on my uh, bus route. So I'll probably, I think actually I'll beat Yakuza buddy by next week. I'm, I'm almost certain that'll have happened. It's uh, not the longest. So tune in next time to hear that. Exactly. And more. Toodaloo folks. Bye. Bye.